Something to note, all myths have many versions and variations. For this episode, we've selected those we felt are the most dramatic and entertaining and supplemented them with additional research into indigenous American traditions. Because mythology comes from oral tradition, there's a wide variety across sources. Our myths may not always be the version you're familiar with, but we hope you'll enjoy them. Before the earth existed, there was only water, vast and dark, empty of all creatures except for one, the Creator. The Creator was a bodiless, shapeless entity, endlessly struggling with himself in the depths of existence. It was a battle between his two halves. Both wanted to create, but neither would let the other one take the lead. One of the two wanted to conjure a world of beauty and wonder. The other wanted to make one of chaos and passion. They were twin beings, good and evil. After ages of struggling, the good half tore his gaze away from his brother to look up. He noticed a bubble forming above them. It grew and grew until its rippling membrane stretched above them in a flat plane. The good half of the creator squeezed his eyes shut to protect them from the salt water. With all of his might, he shoved the evil half away from him. Startled, the evil half spiraled off into the murky depths. Free at last, the good half swam toward the newly formed surface. The good twin burst out of the water and opened his eyes. The world was dark around him the fresh air filling his body with energy. He was no longer just half of a greater being. He was his own individual. He decided then and there that his name would be Kokomot. The water around him stirred, and a voice, much like his own, bubbled up to him. Brother, what is it like up there? I do not have the words to describe it. I'll come up and join you. Did you come up with your eyes open or shut? Kokomot paused for a moment, imagining what would happen if he let his brother join him above the water. Anything he created, his brother would attempt to corrupt. The two of them could not fight above the water as they had below. An easy solution occurred to him. He took a breath and lied to his brother. I came up with my eyes open. My vision has never been clear. The water shifted in response, waves rippling outwards from a spot beside him. It frothed and bubbled until finally, a figure identical to Kokomot burst from the water beside him. When he looked at Kokomot, his eyes were red and raw from the salt water, just as Kokomot had expected. <sighs> I cannot see! You told me to keep my eyes open underwater! I did. How dare you blind your own brother! I could not let you bring your evil to this world. Blind, you will be half the threat you were below, Bakatal. What did you call me? That will be your name, the Blind One. And my name is Kokomat, the All-Father. You are not the father of anything! Not yet. Now be still while I create the Earth. In a rage, the newly named Bakotal struck out at his brother. 
but Kokomot anticipated this move and stepped out of the way, letting his brother splash impotently in the water. You do not have enough power to create a world on your own. Let me aid you, brother. And let you poison my creation as soon as it's formed? Do not take me for a fool, Bakotal. Now quit distracting me. Kokomot placed his hands into the water and began to stir it. A whirlpool formed, waves frothing and churning. A shape began to rise from the foam, rocky cliffs and wide fields of dark brown earth. Kokomot whooped as the land took shape in front of him, mountains cresting and plains stretching out into the distance. He was so full of joy that he did not notice his brother lurking nearby, clinging to the freshly crafted cliffs. There was a promise in Bakotal's sightless eyes, a promise that Kokomot would soon regret blinding his twin. Welcome to Mythology, a ParCast original. Every Tuesday, we present dramatic stories from ancient mythology and explore their origins. I'm your host and narrator, Vanessa Richardson. You can find all episodes of Mythology and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. To stream Mythology for free on Spotify, just open the app and type Mythology in the search bar. Today we're telling the creation myth of the Yuma people, an indigenous tribe of Arizona. The story is called The Good Twin and the Evil Twin, and it illustrates how two all-powerful creators and their children shape the earth as we know it. The battle between these twins paves the way for the beliefs and morality of the Yuma people, and it's a conflict that only one of these gods is destined to survive. We'll meet the creators of the universe after this. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It feels like we're all being told to go on this diet, take that supplement. Ozempic will give you depression, but you know what'll cure that? Weed. Or you could try to balance your hormones. At Science Versus, we're like... What the f*** is going on? Forget the crap online and listen to Science Versus. Just the facts. Oh, and a bunch of stupid jokes. What is a ghost's favorite fruit? Booberries. That's Science VS. New season out on Spotify soon. 
The mythology of pre-colonial America is as varied and non-centralized as the culture that inspired it. Native tribes tell a myriad of stories about how the Earth came to be, none of which are identical. The one theme they all share is reverence for the land itself. That is the most important part of Native American myths. This mythology is, in a sense, more about the land than it is about the gods that shaped it. Author and healer Bobby Lake Tom, also known as Medicine Grizzly Bear, described this belief in the power of nature, which is very much still alive in his culture, saying, Our tribal elders and native myths and Indian stories teach us that it is perfectly natural to call upon supernatural aid when all other resources seem to fail us. We are taught that the earth is full of many different kinds of spirits and powers, both good and bad, positive and negative, physical and spiritual, seen and unseen. Every part of the earth is a physical and spiritual source of power and energy that directly affects us, the human people, because we also are an integral part of the great family in creation. Today's story is native to the Yuma people, also known as the Quitsan, whose descendants now inhabit the Fort Yuma Reservation on the Colorado River. Like many other indigenous American legends, their creation myth is not a rigid story from the distant past. It's a living legend, one that incorporated elements of recorded history into its retellings. The version of the tale that is told today shows alterations that may have been added as recently as the late 1700s. We know this because we see a native perspective on the white men who would later come and take their home from them. Kokomat sailed over his new continent, whooping with elation. Waves crashed on either end of the landmass, shaping the earth into cliff faces and beaches of powdered rock. This was all he'd ever dreamed of beneath the water, the chance to craft a stunning and unique world of his very own. But soon, wandering the empty earth began to feel hollow. What good was a creation if you were the only one who enjoyed it? Taking a fistful of mud, he crafted it into a body that looked similar to his own. Four limbs, fingers, and toes, fine muscles, and an intelligent brain— this was the first man. After staring at the being for a few moments, a pang of loneliness struck him, and he realized this creature should have a companion as well. So he fashioned the first woman. Pleased with these two new creatures, he searched for his brother. He felt like boasting about his stroke of genius. He eventually found Bakotal crouched in the shadow of a mountain. What mischief are you up to, blind one? Nothing that would concern you. Go back to playing in the earth. Oh, come now, brother. There's no need to be bitter. If I am bitter, it is only because of your actions, all father. Kokomot noticed that his brother had his hands clasped over his chest, and his back was hunched, as if shielding something from view. What are you hiding from me, Bakutal? Something I made while you were busy wandering through your empty land. I made people. Impossible. What good is all this open space without creatures to populate it, eh? <laughs> Look! <laughs> I fashioned them after us! 
Bakotal opened his hands, and a cluster of strange shapes squirmed out onto the earth. Kokomot recoiled in disgust. They were slimy, misshapen things with bulbous eyes, no fingers or feet, and grotesque rows of teeth in their mouths. If they were meant to resemble the two brothers, they were a poor imitation. Oh, my poor deluded brother. Your people don't even have hands and feet. Can't you hear how they flop about the earth? I suppose you could do better? <laughs> Come, feel the people I've made. Mine have fingers and thumbs to work, to fashion things, to draw bows, to pick fruit. They are superior in every way. Bakotal's fingers glided along the flesh of the newly created humans, and his face fell. Kokomot couldn't help but feel a glow of pride at his brother's dismay. He'd proven himself the superior creator. Before his brother could turn his attention back to his ghoulish creations, Kokomot raised a foot and brought it crashing down onto them. He stamped and stamped until his brother's twisted people had been reduced to bits and pieces. Feeling the earth shake, Bakotal whirled on his brother. What are you doing? These creations are no good. I'm doing you a favor by making sure they never see the light of day. Leave them be! Bakotal launched himself at Kokomot, wrestling his twin to the ground. Kokomot was stronger than the blind one, but Bakotal's attack was truly ferocious and caught him off guard. Bakotal clawed at Kokomot's face with desperate hands. Kokomot looked back to the shore and saw the fragments of his brother's creations writhing and sliding toward the sea. He could not let them escape. He pushed with all his might against Bakotal, throwing his brother into a sheer cliff face. Bakotal roared in pain. Chunks of the cliff broke off and began floating out to sea. Kokomot turned back to the beach, just in time to see his brother's creatures vanish into the waves. I'll grant you a pass for your rudeness, brother, if you fetch those creatures back from me. <laughs> First you blind me, then you destroy the people I created to inhabit your precious creation. You are a cruel and heartless brother. I'll never try to help you shape your world again. You are welcome to spend the rest of eternity soaking. I can think of no other use for you. I do not intend to sulk. I will make a hell of this new world you created. Your creatures will be born into a blighted land. Bakotal stumbled away from his brother. For an instant, Kokomot considered restraining his twin brother until he came to his senses. But the moment passed. He watched as Bakotal vanished into the sea. Kokomot was left alone on the shore, pondering his brother's vow. As Kokomot stared out at the wide blue waves, they began to churn. First towards the land, then away from it. The water slowly took on the shape of a whirlpool, drawing closer by the moment. A vile stench stung Kokomot's nose, carried on the sea breeze. This was no ordinary maelstrom. 
all of a sudden, spinning air currents burst free of the water, revealing a tornado of noxious air hurtling toward the land. For the first time in his immortal life, Kokomot felt afraid. His brother had not been bluffing. The cyclone was full of all his brother's animosity, shaped into a towering plague. If that whirlwind struck the land, Earth would remain lifeless for eternity. Coming up, evil infects the world Kokomot created. Now back to the story. The foul-smelling whirlwind hurtled toward the shore. Kokomot clenched his teeth. His brother Bakotal had sent this plague to corrupt the earth. Kokomot could not let that happen. He took a deep breath and raised himself to his full height until his head touched the clouds. Just as the tornado reached the shore, Kokomot raised a foot and stamped down on it with all his might. To Kokomot's delight, the whirlwind completely vanished. The air currents dwindled into the sand. Kokomot waited until he could feel it no longer, then raised his foot to check that the threat was truly destroyed. A wisp of air slipped out and dissipated on the wind. Kokomot shuddered, hair standing on end. He looked out at the waves and waited. He was certain that his brother would get over his temper tantrum and return. But the waves remained calm. There wasn't even another whirlwind from the deep. With a sigh, he wandered the continent, thinking what he should do next. The world seemed so empty without his brother to argue with. His vision blurred before him, and he discovered, to his surprise, that tears were forming in his eyes. Eager to distract himself from these emotions, Kokomot set about filling the world with as much life as he could. He dug his fists into the clay of the earth and shaped more people like his first pair, the Yuma. In pairs, he created 24 tribes, including the Kokopas, the Diagenos, the Mojaves, the Apaches, Maricopas, and Pimas. Last of all, he created the white people, He did not know where to put them, so he dropped them far off to the east, promising to get back to them later. He had more important things on his mind, namely, the creation of animals. Sometime later, Kokomot slumped down against a tree, exhausted from the creation of the thousands of living beings he shaped to inhabit Earth. For the first time since its creation, the Earth felt full, He had filled the sky with birds and populated the forests with powerful beasts of all kinds, though at this time the animals still walked on two legs and spoke like humans. A pair of eyes glinted nearby. A lithe man approached Kokomot, head cocked curiously. What are you thinking about, Allfather? I'm thinking about my brother, Coyote. Why? Ka the Crow tells me that Bakotal was an evil being who tried to destroy the Earth before we were created. I once believed that as well. But what if I never see Bakotal again? Then you will have won a great victory. It should be a good thing. So why does this thought fill me with grief? 
Kokomot knew that Coyote had no answer, for he could see inside the minds of all the beings he created, but he was heartened by the animal's compassion. It showed him the one thing that was missing from his new creation. He took off toward the home of the 24 tribes, rejuvenated. My people, come, hear me. I have created you all, but soon you must learn to live without me. You must produce children and fill this land with your voices. In demonstration, Kokomot turned within himself and focused his energy until he felt a new being growing inside him. Then and there, he gave birth to a son. This is Komastamho, my son. Life will come from life. You cannot do this alone like I have. You must come together and produce children through your union. It only then occurred to him how dark the earth was. His eyes could see perfectly well in the blackness, but his creations had to feel about with their hands. He did not wish his brother's fate upon the humans, so he raised his arms and created all the stars in the heavens. In the pale white glow of the stars and the moon, Kokomat smiled down on his people. My work here is done. Anything I have left undone, my son will be able to take care of. A feeling pricked the back of Kokomot's mind, one that he had never experienced before. Jealousy. The feeling was not his own, but belonged to one of his creations, lurking in a nearby pond. It was the thoughts of Hanyi, the frog. She envied the creator's power and wanted more than anything to destroy him. This puzzled him for the longest time until he realized the truth. Hanyi was a creature of the water, akin to the scaly and misshapen people his blind brother fashioned out of the earth. Without realizing it, Kokomot had made animals that could thrive on the land as well as in the ocean where his brother still simmered with rage. But this amphibian had no desire to be a messenger between the twins. Finally, he understood why his brother's disappearance troubled him so deeply. Allfather, why do you look so troubled? I should not have blinded my brother, Coyote. By presuming him to be evil, I've doomed him to resent me forever. I let fear of his nature obscure my love for him. The world will not be complete without his influence. There is a creature coming to kill me. I will let it happen. Kill? I'm not familiar with the term, Kokomat. This is the last bit of wisdom I can give my people. I taught them how to live. Now I must teach them how to die. Otherwise, they will multiply beyond what this world can support. You have been a good friend, Coyote. I trust you to guide my son as he takes my place. That's a lot of responsibility for one animal. You're up to the task. I have given the world my soul. I want you to take my heart. When you say, take my heart, do you mean I should literally... Just then, Kokomot seized up in pain. The frog Hanyi had burrowed into the ground beneath Kokomot during their conversation. Kokomot gasped as the frog sucked the air out of his lungs through a hole in the earth. His powerful form shriveled and trembled, and his breaths became a throaty rasp. 
Coyote, fetch the people. Tell them I have one last lesson. Coyote was off in a flash. The tribes approached Kokomot's deathbed, not knowing why their creator looked so weak. Where is my son? He should be along momentarily. He was, um, occupied. Sure enough, Komashtamho was by his father's side within moments, breathing heavily as if he ran all the way. Sorry, father. I was far off to the east with the white man. I don't know why this is, father, but he has a childish and greedy nature. Everything he sees, he wants for himself. I was busy trying to keep him from pouting and feeling sorry for himself. A difficult task indeed. How did you manage to pacify him? I made him a tall beast for him to ride on. I called it a horse. It seems to have satisfied him for now. (laughs) I'm proud of you, my son. The Earth will be lucky to have you when I'm gone. Is everyone here? Everyone except for the white man, yes. Listen up, my people. This is my final lesson for you all. This is how to die. With that, Kokomat drew his last breath and was still. Komashtamho felt a lump in his throat. He had known his father so briefly, and there was so much more he wanted to know. His father had given him the ability to listen to his creation's thoughts and to shape the world, but had told him nothing about what to do next. The people surrounding him stared, unsure of how to react. They had never seen anything die before. Coyote and Komashtamho wept openly, but the people did not understand. We have to burn his body. We cannot just leave it to rot. I'll help with that. What do you need? Komashtamho thought for a moment. Because he could hear Coyote's thoughts, he knew that he had misunderstood Kokomot's parting words. Coyote intended to steal Kokomot's heart and eat it. Komashtamho spat in his palm and drew the shape of a disc in the saliva, which began to glow. He threw the glowing disc high into the air, where it turned the sky a pale blue and made the stars disappear. He spoke to the people still gathered by his father's body. That is the sun. Watch it move. Watch it light up the world. You, Coyote, will have a special task. When the sun reaches its lowest point in the evening, I need you to run all the way to it and fetch a spark from its surface. But if you created the sun, can't you just start a fire here? Do you dare question me? Okay, okay. I'll do it. Anything for my old friend. So Coyote did as he was told and ran off toward the setting sun. As soon as he was out of sight, Komashtamho commanded the nearby trees to form a funeral pyre for his father. Observe, my people. This is how you make fire. Let's do this quickly, before Coyote comes back. Komashtamho took a small stick and twirled it against the dry wood until the pyre was ablaze. Satisfied, Komashtamho sat back and waited for his father to burn. 
flames rose up around Kokomat until the people could no longer see the body. Komashtamho sighed, relieved that his father's spirit would be at peace. A burst of sparks sprayed out from the bonfire. Komashtamho squinted into the flames, confused. He thought he saw something moving within the burning logs. Suddenly, a creature burst from the flames. It was Coyote, with Kokomot's heart clutched in his hands. Komashtamho made a grab for Coyote, but he was too quick. He darted away from the god's grip and fled into the woods. Thief! After him! All the people grabbed sticks from the ground and charged into the trees after Coyote. Hearing the god's command, birds dove down from their perches and flew after him, as well as stags and bears, dogs and wildebeest. Every human and animal joined in this chase for Coyote. Komashtamho followed. He would not let this creature defile the first funeral. He called out as loud as he could, Hear me, Coyote! You have committed a great crime by stealing my father's heart. You will never amount to anything. You will be a wild man without a house to live in. You will live by stealing, and for your thefts, the people will kill you. There came no reply from the woods. All Komashtamho heard were the cries of the humans and animals in pursuit of the coyote. A knot formed in Komashtamho's stomach as a horrible thought occurred to him. Perhaps his father's heart would never be found. Up next, Komashtamho struggles to fill his father's role. Now back to the story. Komashtamho was not off to a good start as the overseer of creation. His father, Kokomat, had let himself die to teach humans about death. But halfway through his cremation, Coyote had stolen his heart. Komashtamho knew the creature thought he was doing the right thing, having misinterpreted Kokomat's last words. But in his rage, he had cursed Coyote to be a homeless thief forever. No one had been able to catch the clever creature, and as the hunting party spread ever thinner, Komashtamho found himself wandering alone. <sighs> what troubles you, nephew? Who's there? Why can't I see you? I'm under the earth beneath your feet. My name is known to you. I am the one who your father abandoned. You're the blind one, Bakotal. <laughs> You say that like it's an insult. I have grown to relish the name my dear brother gave to me. I have nothing to say to you. I aim to continue my father's work and protect the world from your evil. You will fail, as your father did. I am comfortable beneath the earth. Where is he? <laughs> Ash and dust in the wind. You're wrong. Though he is no more, his world is stronger than you. You are weak. Am I? I can tear the world open at will, and my magic lives in the air as disease and pestilence. His people will remember me long after both you and I are gone. Bakotal's words hung in Komashtamho's mind long after he had returned to the Yuma village. 
he sat sullenly in Coco Mott's old house, wondering what his uncle meant by such a curse. After some time had passed, Komashtamho noticed the figure of a man standing in his doorway. He recognized him as Marhokovec, leader of the growing Yuma people. May I enter, Komashtamho? Of course. What is it you want? The people were wondering when Kokomat would return. <sighs> he will never return. He died so that you would know life does not go on forever. Come, follow me. Komashtamho brought Marhokovec outside and into the open air. They waited in silence for a moment until the wind began to stir. Komashtamho pointed. The people began to gather around. A small cyclone, a dust devil, formed on the spot where Kokomot had been buried. That is the spirit of Kokomot. When you die, you will become spirits and see the ones you love again. Mourn the people who came before you, but do not fear your own passing. Komashtamho instructed the people to mourn Kokomot by cutting their hair. When they had finished, Komashtamho was once again uncertain of himself. Some of the people looked very strange with their hair cut, so he turned them into animal forms that matched their nature. He was proud of the shapes he chose for them, but could not have predicted how their behavior changed. Their human voices changed to guttural cries, and their composed bearing dissolved into wild, unpredictable movements. Soon, the newly shaped animals had run off into the wilderness, leaving Komashtamho staring after them. Putting on his most confident face, he turned to the people who remained and told them to tear down the home that used to belong to Kokomot. You mustn't keep anything that reminds you of the dead. Do not even mention the names of the deceased. They belong to another life, while you must start on a new one. The Yuma people heard his words and ever since then have obeyed his instructions. When one of their tribe passed, they burned his belongings so that his possessions would follow him to the spirit world. But Bakotal's taunt still haunted Komashtamho. He feared that evil would come again to his father's people and he would be unable to stop it. This fear was confirmed when members of the Yuma started showing up dead, clawed and mauled by the animals Komashtamho had helped make. In a panic, Komashtamho created a massive storm cloud, letting the rain fall for days and days until the very ground began to vanish into valleys of watery mud. Marhokovec came to visit Komashtamho, struggling through water up to his ribs. The man's voice was weak with terror as he asked, what are you doing, Komastamho? There are beasts that cause your people harm. I aim to drown them all. Please, don't do that, Great One. The people need many of these animals for food. They like to hear the songs of the birds. Rain and floods make the world too cold, and the people can't stand it. We will not survive. Komashtamho felt ashamed that he'd been so rash in his judgment. Kokomot had never attempted to do such a thing. He was a creator, not a destroyer. Earth did not need the kind of god who'd try to take back his mistakes. 
maybe if he had a brother like his father did, his impulses would be kept in check. With a sweep of his hand, he cast a wave of fire to evaporate the flood that threatened to consume the earth. The water fought back viciously, and Komashtamho had to channel all his energy into bolstering the flames. Soon, the god could not see anything around him through the steam, but still he flung fire outward until he could hear no more waves around him. Pain lanced up his side, for the fire was so great that it singed Komashtamho himself. When the steam cleared, he stared out onto a dry and arid plain, the Arizona desert, which would remain hot forever after. I have made a great mistake, Marhokovec. You have done no such thing. My people will learn to enjoy the heat and thrive in the sun. What remains of the water will flow in a great river and allow you to grow food in the earth. I know now there is little more I can teach you. Surely you will not succumb to death like your father did. Bakotal was right. I cannot keep shaping the world. When my father and his brother came into being, the world was in balance. I must let the earth thrive on its own. You'll see me around. The next morning, when Marhokovec awoke to go hunting, Komashtamho was gone. The Yuma soon learned what had become of their guardian. In their dreams, they discovered that Komashtamho had taken the shape of four eagles, the black eagle of the west, the brown eagle of the south, the white eagle of the east, and the fourth eagle, whose name is Unseen, because no man has ever caught a glimpse of him. The good twin and the evil twin continued to influence the earth in their own small ways, the spirit of Kokomot speaks to the Yuma in dreams, guiding their way in the world, and Bakotal shakes the earth beneath them to remind them of his great and dangerous power. To this day, the Yuma people retell the story of these two brothers so that they might remember how good and evil together can shape something beautiful. The appearance of a good twin and an evil twin crafting the world is a recurring motif in Native American creation myths, and the Yuma people are not the only tribe that tells the story of such twins. In the Iroquois version of this story, the twins are the children of greater gods that came before them, specifically Earth Woman. In that tale, it's the evil twin that is born first, killing their mother as his brother is born. The Mohawk and Huron people tell similar stories, but none are identical. Native American myths were passed from tribe to tribe and then grew on their own within each community. This spinning out of tradition manifests in the structure of the tales themselves. To quote authors Richard Erdos and Alfonso Ortiz in their book on North American myths, to try to apply conventional Western logic is not only impossible, but unnecessary. Spinning out a single image or episode may be the salient feature of, indeed, the whole reason for telling a tale, and stories are often told in chains, one word, character, or idea bringing to mind a related one, prompting another storyteller to offer a contribution. So while this story is called The Good Twin and the Evil Twin, both of these characters fade out of the story before it's over, 
It's a tale of organic growth, and the creators are left behind, like the seed at the base of a desert willow. The gods are long gone by the time the tale ends, but the land remains as a concrete reminder of their presence. People like the Yuma show reverence for the divinity in nature, unlike the industrial colonizers that followed, who are merely comic relief in their myths. This disconnect between the original inhabitants of North America and European settlers is perfectly encapsulated by a national monument. Hundreds of miles north of Yuma territory lie the Black Hills mountain range. It is sacred land to the Lakota Sioux and an awe-inspiring part of the natural world. This, of course, meant nothing to white Americans, who from 1927 to 1941 carved the faces of four presidents into the Black Hills in direct defiance of land treaties they signed with the Lakota. Drilling on the Mount Rushmore Monument ceased in 1941, and seven years later, a local Lakota named Henry Standing Bear commissioned construction of a rival monument, a massive sculpture of the Lakota hero Crazy Horse in the Black Hills. It's still under construction 72 years later, but if finished, it will dwarf Mount Rushmore in size. This can be seen as a pragmatic evolution of how Native Americans treat their sacred lands. After centuries of having their land stolen and their hallowed sites carved into enormous works of art, they might as well make sure their own faces are the ones being carved into the mountains. Thanks again for tuning in to Mythology. We'll be back Tuesday with a new episode. You can find more episodes of Mythology and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals, like Mythology, for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Mythology on Spotify, just open the app and type Mythology in the search bar. If you enjoy mythology, you'll love my other podcast, Tales. Tales presents fairy tales the way they were originally told, orally and unadulterated. Traditional fairy tales aren't exactly suitable for children, and every Wednesday we dive into another dark, classic tale. We'll be back on Tuesday with another epic story. Mythology is a Spotify original from ParCast. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler. Sound design by Michael Langsner, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Nick Johnson, Trent Williamson, and Carly Madden. This episode of Mythology was written by Robert Teamstra, edited by Greg Castro, and produced by Freddie Beckley and Isabella Way. The amazing cast of voice actors includes Tom Bauer, Bill Butts, Joe Hernandez, and Charlie Wess. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Mm-hmm.